This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. It's, I'm going to talk about your faith and your feelings. Um, I'm so aware, maybe I can just start with the first. I'm so aware that we are emotional beings. And times like this, times of uncertainty really make it difficult for us. Um, because we are emotional beings. We experience life in emotions. There's no other way to experience life. We, we rationalize, we can think, but we experience life emotionally. When we think about our moms this morning, or because maybe being a mom, you know, immediately it brings so many emotions, not just one, but so many. If I say Anna Marie, even if I talk to Anna Marie in our church, you know, just the, immediately the name bears so much emotion. We are emotional beings. And I can think about my mom, I can think about the joy, I can think about the, just being proud of my mom, I can think about just the fun that she is, you know, think about the, the connection, and, and immediately brings so many emotions over years coupled together. So my mom is a memory of emotions and of happenings, and if I say her name in a particular time, it brings so many emotions, and even contrasting emotions. You know, you've got the the, the good emotions and the painful emotions of sad and loss, if you remember moments, if you remember, or just concern. You know, we think about so our emotions are not just one thing. It's a, it's a whole set of things together. It's like a, like a cluster of wool or like a bowl of spaghetti. Our emotions are very complex. And when I think about the church this morning, I just want to maybe share a little bit from my life as well, because I think you can identify with me, because I think I can identify with you being locked up in your home for six weeks already, and uh, there's so many emotions, but this is the scripture that's on my heart today. This, apart from all these things, Paul defending his apostleship to the church in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he talks about being beaten, being shipwrecked, being imprisoned, being stoned. He talks about the sufferings, the mockings of the Jews, the, the fear and the anguish that he goes through. And right at the end, about all this hectic stuff that happened, he mentions this part, validating his call from God. And he says, and apart from all these hardships in the, in the previous six verses, there is the daily pressure on me of the anxiety or the concern for the churches. And I spoke to Pastor Bernie and I spoke to Pastor Theo in this week. And this, this text is real for me. It's real for us. I'm really concerned about the church. I'm concerned about you. I'm concerned about church in this time and maybe just reading through the book of revelation i'm so concerned about how is your faith doing how are you holding on to god in this you know there are some people and i'm bluntly say this that i'm really not concerned at all those are the type of people that i would run to when i'm in type of need those pillars those strong people those confident people but even even i'm aware even those people are going through a lot of emotions a lot of pressure you know, you're concerned about the economy, you're concerned about your job security, you're concerned, you're just lonely and frustrated at home, you're concerned about your friends, you miss your friends, you, you, you're longing for good times, you're wondering whether you should flee or fly out of the country, go to another place, to one of the other hundred countries that are in lockdown at the moment. You're concerned about so many things, and I know that you're just frustrated and lonely and out of anger and frustration boils up on the inside just because you're locked up on the inside. And I'm honestly concerned for the people that are locked up in their rooms alone, in their homes alone. You know, when there's company, there's at least someone to get frustrated with. But 
I'm aware that many of you have no one to be frustrated with. You're just alone. And I'm really, really concerned. My concern is not just for your emotional well-being, although let me just pause there. It is a big thing. You know, one out of six people in our country are on anti uh, have been diagnosed as 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 struggling with with anxiety and depression disorder. And that's excluding guys that struggle with other emotional, more severe emotional disorders, psychiatric disorders. So one out of six are struggling with this. And I'm just thinking the whole time, if one out of six are struggling with it in a normal time, in a country that's already a bit volatile, in this time, I wonder how many other people, and I wonder how many of those people in our church that I'm aware of, how are you doing at the moment? I really am concerned that you're struggling with the fear and the depression, with uncertainty, with frustration. You know, but it's not just that. It's also just a... Just the fact that I'm wondering, what are you making? How do you relate to God? What are your prayers like? Are you still crying out to God? Are you still praying in times like this? You know, I'm concerned about people who've been struggling with, with certain, certain secret sins, you know. Um, and I'm not going to mention stuff, but I'm concerned being locked up in your home. How do you deal with your frustrations? Because you're really, really vulnerable to your temptations. You know that acronym STOP. Um, or halt whenever you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And I can say that angry and lonely are things that we're heavy. Those are the times when we're vulnerable to, susceptible to emotional attacks, to sin temptations. And I'm really concerned. I'm concerned that what do we do with this? How do you, how do you view God? And, and just guys, just looking at your, at, your, at, your, at your feeds on your screens, you know, the things that, that you see in the news and opinions of, Christian people and people everywhere, you know, well, how do you make, how do you place what God is, what is happening in the world now in relation to God and God's plan for moving the world to his great culmination of his return? You know, because there are so many conspiracy theories. I'm concerned for your faith. I hear of people that are wondering whether they're still saved. I'm aware of people that, that, that want to give up on God, you know, because obviously God is not in control. So I want to urge you this morning. To, to listen to what I'm saying and to see what David did in times of uncertainty in his own life. Because the Bible is a record of God's work in our lives through the ages, his people. And we are not the first people that go through a crisis, but your crisis is real to God. Your emotional state is important to God. God is not only concerned about what you do. God is concerned about how you feel. Are you doing? I mean, Jesus' return, first and second return, are announced with joy to the joy, joy to the world. God wants to bring joy. God wants to bring peace. God wants to restore justice. God is concerned about not just what's happening with you and the outside, but God is concerned on the inside as well. You know, the Bible says, comfort my people, speak hope to my people, encourage my people. So God is concerned about your emotions, and so much of the Bible is but God's restoration of the inside, not just the outside. Remember that promise that the Lord said to us in the beginning of the year? He said to us that this is a year that I want to restore. I want to restore the fortunes of my people, Jeremiah 30, and I want to restore the, the inside, the, the, that their soul will be like a well-watered garden. So in all of this, I really believe that God is bringing us to a place of not just purifying, but of restoring our souls to be like a well-watered garden. So many of us have, have testified about this already, that just to slow down and with all the pressure, there's moments where we can see what's happening on the inside, where we come still, the waters don't move anymore, and we can see the dust settling. 
and we can see clearly now. I want to sing a song, but I'm not going to sing a song about the rain is falling. Life is lived in emotions. It's amazing, you know, in the joy and the ecstasy of fun and relational friendships with our people and music. Life is all about music. Winston Churchill said that friendship, like art, like poetry, like music, is not necessary for salvation, but it makes us, it's not necessary for survival, but it makes our survival worthwhile. It's a beautiful thing. And I can think we can deal with this. We can understand this. But we don't only live with beautiful emotions, as we can see in these screens right now, but we also live in the frustrating emotions. You know, we in shock, in shame, in heartache, in despair, in anger. You know, we, 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 live, we live sadness. We, we live these emotions. What do we do with emotions? What do we see in the Bible about these emotions? The first thing that I can tell you is that the Bible teaches us that that you're not supposed to suppress or deny the emotions like moralist religious people tend to do. You just say that these emotions don't exist. I will just uh, mind over matter, you know, just head over heart. I will just push through. And there are times when we have to simply just go on regardless of what's happening. But doing that in the long term is not helpful because these emotions, as we can see in life, build up over time. And I wonder whether a lot of the anxiety and depression that we see is just because of our pace of life does not allow us to deal sufficiently with what we are feeling on the inside. We have to rush forward. And eventually, you know, we shut down all emotions. And, and, and eventually, if you shut down all your emotions, you become numb or sad. So you only have one heart. You can't shut down one part of your heart and continue to live. If you struggle with bitterness towards one person, the whole of the heart becomes bitter eventually with all, every part in it. So suppressing it or denying it doesn't help. Secondly, um, we can see that the Bible teaches us and we can see experience from experience as well. Then just to give, give, give over, go give into the emotions is not helpful either. Um, if you feel depressed, just to, to sit in your room and not deal with it and just let the depression do its thing you know, it's not helpful because <laughs> eventually you'll sit in your room or even if you just struggle with, uh, with some temptatious uh, emotion and you run in that direction, it's not helpful just to give into it um, in some form of hedonism. The Bible teaches us that what we should do with our emotions, and this is what, what David teaches us mostly, is we simply pray our emotions. We bring it in the presence of God. We face it. We recognize it. We bring it in conversation with people, in conversation with God. We take note of the emotions because our emotions, like a book that I read a few years ago, are like smoke detectors. It actually helps us to understand what is, what is happening here on the inside. Well, what, what is this that I'm feeling? And why am I feeling? It's like a dashboard in your car, like a dashboard in a big aircraft that shows you to inspect that part, inspect that thing because you need it needs attention. So emotions are like an indicator saying that there's somewhat something on the inside that needs attention. Psalm, psalms is, a, is just singing the emotions or talking through the emotions. It's, it's what it collectively is. It's, it, the great part of the psalms is just a showing me what do we do with our emotions. Now the problem with emotions, and I know that I'm talking a lot now, but the problem of emotions is... Um, that it's like, it's like this, this I just showed you a picture of now. It's, it's, it's all connected. Everything is connected. Everything is mingled in together. Your emotions, it's difficult sometimes for us, and especially 
for some temperaments and many people say men, but I know very emotional men. I see them next to the rugby fields. I see them at sports stadiums. I see them when there's a bit of competition. Emotions are alive for men as well. But I can see that it's difficult sometimes to know what to do with the emotions. And the important thing that we are taught to do is to, to help discover, just become still and aware. So for all of us, and I'm not just for some, for all of us during this time, I want us to look at what David did in his emotions. And I want to take a very short psalm that I preached about two and a half years ago. So some of you remember Psalm 43 well. But I would like us just to see what David did with his emotions. Because your emotions, we have to take this opportunity to bring our emotions in the presence of God before we can see clearly what God is doing. And this is what David teaches us so well. So let me just share the screen again. David prayed in Psalm 43. Now, Psalm 43, I said before, is like Psalm 42. It's part of Psalm 42. In fact, it's a, it's a shorter version of the Psalm. Psalm 42, that beautiful Psalm that says that as a deer pants for water, so I pant for you, O God. It's David being shunned and chased out of the city, fleeing for his life from his own son, Absalom, who uh, took over his uh, cabinet, who took over his, his uh, the elders of the city, got them politically on his side got tired of David, they wanted a regime change like we saw in our country a while ago. And they said, no, out with the old, in with the new. Uh, so they, they asked him, they turned his whole army, David's own army, he had a few of his men with him, but he turned the army against him, even took his own faithful advisor. And what we see in that text is, and we have to bring it in here because it's the same song, is that that didn't happen by itself, but it's because of David's failure as a father David's failure as a husband and a leader, and David's failure as a friend, who is friend Anithabel, um, the advisor. I'm not going to go into that detail, but that was the reason. It's not as though David was absolutely innocent in all this. It was because of his sin and his failure that he had to flee. And David prayed, and David's out there, and this is a short five verses of the psalm that he prayed. It's a teaching psalm. He prayed, he says, vindicate me, O God. Defend my cause against an ungodly people from the deceitful and the unjust man. Deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling place, God. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. <clears throat> So David starts the psalm, then verse 1, and I want you to note the emotive language in the psalm. He's, he feels absolutely cheated and betrayed. He feels afraid. He feels deceived. He feels unjustly treated. He feels unsafe in need of salvation. Verse 2, you can see that David feels vulnerable. He says, I, I, want, I want to take refuge in your God. David feels rejected by God. He feels ashamed. He feels rejected. He feels as though God had pushed him away. David feels sad. He feels a sense of melancholy. He feels really, really sad and really depressed in, in, in that. And he feels oppressed. He feels depressed, oppressed by the enemy. Then you see that David, in verse 3, is the key and the thrust of the psalm. It's, it's the turning point. In most of the Jewish psalms, we see that the middle part is the turning point in the psalm. And here we can see, David, what changes. Because look at the difference between verse 1 and 2 and verse 4 and 5. Verse 2 and 4 especially. Verse 4, David speaks about exceeding joy, 
praise and music and, and, and feeling accepted by God, feeling invited by God to be in God's presence again. But look at verse 2 and verse 4. From rejected to accepted, from mourning and oppression to joy, laughter, and music. It's an extremely a massive change. And at the end of the beginning of the psalm, David is still in the desert. He's still far away from God. He's nowhere um, close to where he wants to be. He's still being hunted down. But something changed, something massive changed. His emotional state changed exceedingly. It changed massively. And it's because of that middle bit where David said, send out your light and send out your truth. But before David got there, let me just quickly show you what happens. Starts a psalm with a psalm of cry for help. Then David does something amazing. And this is our invitation. This is my invitation to you. The first invitation is I want you to take a note of your emotions because David, David was an emotional man and he was this great warrior man. When he said, I'm afraid, it wasn't because he's some, some you know, soft guy. He's a mighty warrior that took out bears, that took out the Philistine army, that faced giants, that faced, um, that was a, that faced many things in his life. He's a great warrior guy, but he was in touch with what's happening on the inside. And he had the ability to articulate the sense of vulnerability, rejection, malignant oppression. He had the ability to, to say what's going on on the inside. Really important. The first invitation for me and you, and we'll speak in the next two or three weeks, we'll get a few talks in, because I want us to get to help you here, to help me as well. To, to just name the emotions that we're facing, to name them, to be able to understand what is going on. Because just saying that I'm not feeling okay is not really helpful. But to be able to articulate what is happening on the inside. What is this feeling? I feel not lacquer. So not lacquer, is that good or bad? It's probably bad. So is it, is it anxiety? Is it anger? Is it disgust? Is it sadness? Or what is it? And to be able to unleash it. Let me just share a little bit of my own life. And this is a bit vulnerable here today. But I want to help you today. So last night in my prayer time, I... I went through this again because I never want to preach something which I don't do again. So I did it once or twice. But last night, um, the, last, the last 10 days was, uh, was a bit difficult for me in my home. Um, you know, my wife goes to work in the day most of the days. She goes to the hospital and uh, I have to run the household and try to care for the church. And that's, I think, where the sense of the anguish, the concern for the church actually comes from because I'm so busy with so many things. I wonder how's it going with that, 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 that. And I got my names and I hit people that I haven't called, haven't gotten to. Some people I have, and I'm concerned about them as well, but some people I haven't. And I'm really concerned, you know, you know, as a shepherd, as a friend, as a person in a relationship, how's it going with my people? And I'm praying through those things. And then, and then last night, specifically, I, the last two weeks, I mean, at one point, uh, I was really, I was just down. I was a bit frustrated. I was a bit agita agitated, I think is the word. And uh, we were sitting at the, at, the, at the kitchenette, at the table, eating dinner together. And at some point, Nathan just said, Ach, Papa, it's okay. <laughs> it's one of those long points that you just have to put on. It's like, okay, my boy is saying that I'm not usually like this, but Dad, I will forgive you. So it's like, wow, it's amazing. Thank you for your grace. But wow, this is quite, this is quite bad, you know. Papa is not always so. Who is Papa always done? So you know, it's just one of those highlighters. And and last night as well, I spent some time praying with Mahrit as well, just yesterday afternoon late. And um, then 
then I went and I started articulating how I'm feeling, you know, it's like, what's happening on the inside? What is the joyful? Because the frustration is I feel thankful, and many of you as well, thankful for this special time with my family. Thankful that my life is less complicated in a sense because I don't have to rush between 50 things and 50 school activities and those things anymore. So it's a, a sense of simplifying, but I feel locked up, I feel frustrated. So I feel joyful and thankful in the one part, but I feel frustrated. And I feel absolutely concerned. So just to articulate, and I'm not, I thought I was going to, but I'm going to go through all my emotions, what I articulated here. But the important thing is that you should actually, how do you feel and what makes you feel that way? What is it that gives you this feeling? And just to take some time in journaling and to praying through that, because this was David's big thing. This is what he got right, to articulate all these emotions and all these feelings and um, to, to, to highlight them. Because this brings us to the point where we can actually hear God. So you'll see that I wrote there to name it. It means to articulate it. What is it? And then to own it, to say that this is how I'm feeling. I'm claiming it. I'm saying that I am angry. It's not, it's not the issue. It's not outside. But the locus of my emotions, I am someone who feels afraid and frustrated at the moment. It's me. This is my response. And it's possible for the situation, as we can see in David's life, for the situation to remain the same but for me to find peace in it. And then when I say tame it, what we mean is we simply deal with it. We don't just let it brood, not just to be aware of it, but to deal with it. And there are one of the many things we'll talk about it in the week, but the one thing that David simply did here is to bring it to God. And this is the amazing thing is David had a meeting with God, a conversation with God where he brought his heart and he poured out his heart to God and it actually changed his life. It actually changed the state of being. And it wasn't a dead thing that he did. It's not just that he journaled. It's not just understanding it, but he brought it to God and he held it before God. And he said, God, this is how I'm feeling. God, will you deal with my heart? Will you bring your peace that surpasses all understanding? Please. To lament in this way, lamenting is to pour out your heart before God and all the emotions. Um, Mark Vruchop wrote this beautiful piece that he said it's, it's a sense of language of loss. It brings about the language of loss. It, it, brings, it helps us to, to deal with the, the emotions and to pour it out before God. It, it brings a solution to the silence. Because many times we just feel frustrated and we feel ashamed or afraid to bring these emotions to God. Like Adam and Eve in the beginning when they hid away from God because they were afraid. And many times when we people that usually are okay, it's difficult for us to say to God, God, I feel angry at you because it feels that you have dropped me and you're dropping our country. Look at all the poor people. Why don't you care, God? You know, just to bring it to God in, in a constructive way. It gives a category for our complaints. It just means that there's a biblical way where we can bring our complaints to God and we can be open and honest with God. The big thing is being honest about what's happening in here, you know, and to pour it out before God, to not be afraid of what I'm going to say to God. And this is what I love about the Bible. Do not be afraid of what I'm going to say to God. Well, God knows it all. But I need to own it, to articulate, to say this is how I'm feeling before. Because you can't change anything unless you actually know what it is that you want to change. And to articulate it to God. It brings a framework for our feelings, a process for the pain, a way to worship. And, and I want to say that this is some of the most powerful. The Psalms are worship psalms. Saying, God, I feel anguish, I feel afraid, I feel downtrodden, I feel betrayed, I feel dropped by you. I feel hopeless. But the fact that I'm mentioning it to God that I can't see is worship. It's beautiful. David did that. And then David brings this thing. And I know that you know this already. I mentioned it earlier. David says, God, this is 
what, what I want from you. Verse one, God, this is what I feel. This is exactly how I feel. God, and then verse three, God, will you send out your lights and will you send out your truth, God? Let them lead me. Let them bring me back to the place where I want to be in your presence. And David asked God, God, this is how I'm feeling. God, what is your perspective? Will you cast your light? God, I, I told you how I'm feeling. God, will you invite me to come up into your throne room like you did in Revelation chapter four? Will you help me to understand from your perspective what's happening here, God? Because my, from my perspective, it feels as though you dropped me. It feels as though you left me. It feels as though you've departed from me because I'm a failure as a dad, a failure as a father, as a, as a husband, failure as a leader, failure as a friend, God, David's perspective. God, will you show me what you're saying? And something in what David saw, what the Lord showed him, something in that meeting, he received something from God. It's not just that he gave something to God, but he also received something, perspective. And the perspective that we're talking about is, is hope. He received a beautiful, beautiful picture of restoration from God. He received the promise that God says, this too shall pass. And you know, it's amazing for me to say to you that this too shall pass. It's amazing for me to articulate to you that this too shall pass. But it's another thing to hear from God, what will this end be? Because hope is a picture. Hope is a, a picture of a desired future, a, a good outcome. It's something that, it, and it's not just a, a dream, it is a reality because David received this as a reality that God is going to bring him back to Jerusalem. And David, you know, Psalm 42, he didn't just want to go to Jerusalem. David wanted to go to, to um, let me just share my screen there again. He wanted to go to God's house. That was his big, big desire. He wanted to return to be with God and God's people and to worship with God's people. Profession of hope. My exceeding joy, I will praise you. So David saw himself in a vision, in a sense, worshiping with God's people, being in God's house again, about absolute restoration. God, he saw that this is the end. You know, he, he saw in his heart that God had good plans for him, plans of hope and a future. He saw that all things work together for his good because God loved it. And it's something that he saw, something that he accepted. And then... Verse 5, you wonder, because yet verse 4, it seems as though the psalm had run its course. It was, everything was done. But this teaching psalm takes us something further, because it's one thing to receive the image of hope, the certainty. But David still had to deal with his own emotions, with his own state, with his own soul, with his own thoughts in his head, the, 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 the downcasters. And David ends the psalm, and he says, why are you downcast on my soul? And why are you so in anguish within me, in turmoil? Hope in God. And hope there is to put your expectation for the good in God, David. David, yes, the situation is absolutely hopeless. You can't deal with this. But David, put your hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And David saw this beautiful thing. He brought his desperation and his despair, and he said, I will expect the good. David. And he had a self-talk. David, you will pick yourself up. David, this will end for the good. In a sense, he looked in a pool. He looked in a mirror. He looked in something. He looked at, tapped himself in the chest and he said, this will change because God said that he will restore you. So David held on to the promises of God. He spoke the promises of God and he spoke it to himself. And he said that I'm counting on God. I can't save myself from my son Absalom and his army and his great advisors. I can't save myself from the, the angry horde. I can't do anything with that. But one thing I'm going to do, 
He said, I'm going to put my hope in God. David, put your hope in God. And he possessed that hope for himself. Beautiful song. What do you want? Pour it out before God. Verse 1. Verse 2. What do you feel? What is it that is disturbing your soul at the moment? What moves the waters? To become still and to understand, to write it out, to write pictures, to write names. Mostly we feel angry at people. We usually direct our anger at people, sometimes at God. The people closest to us, frustration mostly. But to write it down, what do I feel? And then to ask, what do you see? And let that direct you. Maybe you can just, I mentioned earlier that it's not just about it's not just about um, naming it and claiming it, taming it, taming, I mean, to, to, to process it with running, with stuff like that. But mostly, I'm talking, but mostly the reframing bit. Yesterday when I was praying, because I was praying to God and I felt that God, you know, I just feel that I can't do what you called me to do because I've got this, I've got a very strong sense of beauty in my life. I live with a very strong sense of beauty, a calling, a strong sense of, of being commissioned by God to do something. And it's something that I've been wrestling with for years and working with, strong sense of direction of beauty. And I think what caught me in the big thing is that I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm locked up here. And I can't do it. I can't bring the transformation or the care that I'm supposed to care that I feel that I'm supposed to do. I can't do that because I have to care and I have to clean and I have to do homeschooling and I have to do stuff at home the whole time. And sometimes even just administrative managerial stuff that we have to feel the sense of frustration with that and yesterday while I was praying I just felt that God is showing me you know to reframe my frustration because it's a lesson from God for me at this moment that before I'm a leader out there and before I'm supposed to take care of people out there and before I'm supposed to to see a beauty out there the Lord just showed me the picture of Moses that wanted to save Egypt but on the way back to Egypt the Lord put an angel before him and threatened him that his first and primary care and concern is his own family. I'm going to go into that scene there. But it was a beautiful thing for me as well, where God said, let me teach you once and for all, Ross, that the care of your wife and the two kids, the spiritual growth of your wife and your two kids and yourself is more important than anything else. So use this opportunity, this frustration to remind you that here, your family and your home is your responsibility more than anything else. Do not fail in the way like so many other church leaders through history have failed because they cared and did amazing stuff out there, but their own children and family didn't know God. So it was a big thing just to reframe that emotion, to reframe it, the frustration as well, to direct your soul and hope into self-talk. I want to take a moment and um, let me just stop sharing. How do I stop sharing? Thank you for your patience. I want to take a moment and I just want you to, to direct this to you as well. Your emotions. I wonder what you're feeling at the moment. I wonder how you feel. Um, I know that many of you feel afraid. And I think many of us feel less afraid about the virus and about sickness than, and especially the longer the more information we have, we feel less afraid than that and than we do for, for the fact that we're concerned about the economy. We feel angry because, and maybe it's an anger towards God, maybe it's an anger towards the government, because so many people in the country are suffering 
because they can't earn for themselves. And how will we fit? We feel hopeless. We feel frustrated. We feel locked down as though there's nothing that we can't do. There's nothing that we can do to solve the situation. There's nothing that we can, and we feel that the government isn't doing the right thing. And then we see all the issues of injustice and we feel justified anger when we see political agendas being, being, being pushed into the solutions of our country. And we feel that the injustice of racism and of political pride are getting in. And I know that that's what you feel, that many of us are feeling it. Maybe just feeling like I am many times just really missing my friends, missing time in church, missing time with people. And if those emotions that you're feeling, I want to encourage you. I want to invite you. The psalm is an invitation to bring your request to God. The first challenge, and I'm just going to share the screen again. The first challenge is that we're supposed to, yeah, supposed to say to God, what do you want? What do you want? What is it that you want God to do? And it can be many things. You can see David has more than one request. Write down the things that you want, that you want to ask of God. And then with that, just to write down, God, this is how I'm feeling. it, And to unpack it. And it can be many things. It can be messy. It can be, you know, do a pie diagram, do many things with your, write it out, express it before God, sing it, write the poem. And then when you did that, don't stop there. Ask God, Lord, show me. What do you see? What's your perspective on me and our country? What do you see, God? And take your time to write it out. And then let that direct you. But then direct your soul in that. To speak to your soul. To bring, to, like David said in another place, to calm and quiet his soul like a weaned child with his mother. To calm and quiet his soul. David did that. And it's so beautiful. I want to encourage you to do that. To take this moment. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray the shepherd psalm. I want you to receive the shepherd psalm. But then I want to ask you something. After this, we're going to break up into small groups. Yeah, you don't have to do anything. Your screen will be divided and broken up and with people around you. I want to ask you at the end to switch on your screen. And uh, as soon as you're broken up into different groups, Bernie is going to help us with that. And I want you just to look at the people as though we didn't church. And I just want you to, to say, when you listen to the sermon, what did you think? Or maybe just to say to the person, this is how I'm feeling. Or to just simply ask the person, how are you doing at this moment? Father, thank you, God, that you're a good God. Thank you, God, that you are the shepherd, Lord. You're a shepherd. And Lord, we shall lack nothing. That's your promise, God. Father, like sheep, we feel vulnerable. We feel we're not in control. We feel we're moving through a dangerous world, God, and a world, Lord, where there is lack and where there is damage, God. And I thank you, God, that in this moment and in this time, God, that you are the one who leads us time to time to sufficient rest, God, where there's plenty of feed, God, and plenty of water, God, where you can calm our soul and you can refresh us, where you restore our souls. God, and I pray for our church that you will lead every one, God. You are the shepherd to places where they can be satisfied and where they can find rest and where you can restore their souls. I ask in the name of Jesus, God, that you will move us Direct us, God, to places in parts of righteousness, God. Lead us, protect us from temptation, God. Deliver us from evil. Protect us from, from temptation and deliver us from evil. Thank you for leading us through dark times, through difficult times, God. Thank you that you never leave us and forsake us, God. You're with us in our homes, in our bedrooms, in our hearts, God. Thank you that you will bring vindication, God. That this will end in a feast in your presence, God. 
Thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.